Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Bridging Impact Podcast, the podcast that bridges wisdom from generation to generation. And I'm your host, Coach Furtado. Our guest today is Lisa O'Mara. Lisa is a producer for the Hardwood Hustle podcast of PGC Network, and she's also a sixth grade basketball coach, about to be a high school basketball coach, and she has experience as a Division I college basketball coach. In our conversation today, we div- we dive very deep into the power and the importance of cultivating and leading with our hearts as a coach and really recognizing that basketball is a tool and that it's so much bigger than basketball and really teaching those life lessons, building lifelong relationships and friendships with other coaches, with players, and making an impact on every single person that we come across with. Really one of my favorite episodes that we have done so far, so really encourage y'all listening to this full episode. So y'all know what to do. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome to the Bridging Impact podcast today, Lisa. I'm thrilled for our conversation today about coaching and your experience with PGC. PGC has had a very big influence on who I am and what I'm doing today. So I'm excited to dive into that. So without further ado, the question, the loaded question we always ask our guests very first is, what is your definition of impactful leadership and how do you, how does that show up as a coach for you? Well, Justin, thanks for inviting me on. I think this is a great opportunity that you have with the podcast just to impact coaches. And I'm excited to have this conversation with you and, and dive into, you know, how we can all be a more impact, impactful coach, a better leader. And when, when you asked that question, when we were talking about jumping on this podcast, I, of course, I think of leadership as influence, right? Um, you can, but there's a second part to that. And I think that's a little bit of the impact part that you're talking about is that there are good leaders and bad leaders. Um, there are leaders who have led countries, people, cults, and, and things to a negative end. But when we think about leadership, we usually think of that in a positive end. And, and that's the impact part. The How do you change lives for the better? How do you... Uh, help young people develop quality, high quality or, or positive attributes and characteristics. And so impactful leadership to me is, is leading to that good end. And it, and it goes beyond, you know, if we're a coach and we're talking to coaches here, it goes beyond just X's and O's or the championship or achieving or the accolades. It's a lot about what you're developing Um, Those, you know, if you're going to develop accountability, discipline, um, teamwork, hard work ethic, it goes to it. It speaks to what happens when when, you know, like what people say, the ball stops bouncing. It goes it goes to how are we making better people and members of our communities and and better fathers and mothers and families and, and leaders. And so that's what impactful leadership is, is. Being able to make that change uh, to help people grow in that area, to model it, to be, a, you know, to serve for that greater good. Yeah, it's utilizing the power of sport to 
enhance the lives of obviously the person that, that has the experience of sport, but the people around them too, to make them better mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, and to the, to the people and serving the greater good. So with that being said, we had our pre-call and our pre-pod and it sounded like you had a lot of experiences maybe with like leadership that wasn't as you know positive or impactful. So I'm curious to learn a little bit more about your kind of your journey alongside, um, you know, learning about this impactful leadership and, and becoming and growing as a coach and, and person. Yeah, I would say that, you know, what you're talking about in terms of the leaders that I've gone through or just my basketball experience and the coaches that I've had, uh, it wasn't that any of them were bad. It's just that in my mind, I thought there was more that, that could be done or more that needed to happen in me, you right. know, and you're kind of searching for that basketball experiences that that's going to check all the boxes for you. And as we know, there's a lot of people who go through their basketball experience as a player, very dissatisfied, a lot of parents, a lot of coaches even are dissatisfied. And, and you kind of wonder why is that? Uh, because we know it goes again, it's beyond wins and losses, but there's, there's just a, um, a tension there. And so with my experience, uh, I grew up in Eugene, Oregon, uh, played basketball growing up. Uh, my dad said girls can't shoot. So my first thing was, is, well, I'm going to be able to shoot. And I wasn't the greatest athlete in the world, but I had this unique, I think, experience where some people might be able to relate where on one team at my little Christian school, I was the best player on the team. And then my other club team, I was the last person on the roster. And so I always had that that difference between learning how to, uh, you know, be a leader on the team and, and be a performer on the team and matter. And then also to say, how do I matter as the 10th person over here who doesn't get as many minutes, who gets pulled off every time they make a mistake and, and kind of struggle through that. And then uh, going to high school, um, I had four different coaches. I was, I swung up to varsity as a freshman. So I had my JV coach, uh, and I had the varsity coach there. Um, and then as a sophomore, my, uh, I, we got a new head coach. Um, and then halfway through my senior year, my head coach got fired. And then I was kind of done with basketball. Uh, I thought, okay, this wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I would have loved to play small college basketball, but I just didn't didn't have it in me to stay in Eugene and, and go that route. And so I just wanted to say, okay, maybe, maybe this isn't it for me and I'll go on and get my degree and, and find that purpose elsewhere. But I was at St. Mary's college as a freshman and there was something missing in the first week of school. And I just thought, gosh, I would have, I would love to have a team. I'd, I don't know if it's club sports. I don't know what it is. And I was in the right place at the right time and ran into this girl who said, Hey, I'm going to try and walk on. Do you want to, do you want to walk on? Or do you want to come with me? Because we had this first step was to walk into the coach's office and tell him you wanted to walk on. That was step one. And it was Coach Thomas's first year at St. Mary's. And it was a Division One school, so I had no business, you know, even thinking about it. But you never know. So uh, I got the chance. It was a six-week tryout period. So then again, here I am at the bottom of the barrel just trying to survive the season. And he, it was, just, like I said, first year trying to change the culture. So uh, we had a lot of a lot of adversity. And uh, I ended up walking away from that experience into going back home to play at the JC for, you know, a lot of different reasons, personal reasons, um, 
team reasons, but really I just didn't want basketball to end. And I thought if I was at St. Mary's without basketball, I don't know what I would do. So I went to like the sure thing. The sure thing was going back to the JC, played for a successful coach, Greg Shealy, as you know, uh, and enjoyed that experience and then got recruited to play at Oregon Tech, which is an NIA school. And um, after my junior year, my head coach got fired there. I got a brand new head coach. I was actually part of the interview process for the new coach, which was a really interesting experience, uh, learning the insides about how you apply for a job, a resume, interview questions, how do you pick a coach. And you know, a lot of these adults in the room you know, were kind of showing me the ropes in that regard, which was, it was pretty cool. So then I left there and got back to St. Mary's College to do my master's. And just luckily enough, right place, right time, was able to join the staff and eventually move up into coaching. Quite the journey there. Um, quite yeah, the journey. I, I, quite the journey. So maybe maybe I misinterpreted in terms of talking about bad leadership as much as it's, it sounds like your experience was a lot of adversity and, and change. Um, and, and I'm curious, you know, you talked about like also being like the best on a team and then the worst on a team. And I can relate to because I like went to a small school and I may not be like the very best, but I was like one of the better ones. And then I rode the bench in varsity, right? So I feel like that's helped me as my experience as a coach, but I'm curious if this journey of like kind of going through a lot of this uh, adversity and, and different, you know, coaches and also like being the best and the worst on the team has helped influence who you want to be as a coach. Yeah. I, th I think a couple of things. One, what was, which I don't think is, you know, there's a lot of talk about culture and you can read Daniel Coyle's the, the culture code and, and you can try to create pillars and value system and, and really check all the boxes on intentionally creating that. And then there's also this, you know, if you're about the right things and you have the right values, your culture can develop in a really positive way organically. You know, you can just show up and you work hard every day and you don't, you know, your players maybe can't name five pillars, but there really are just doing the job and they're coming together and, you know, you tell them to, you know, work hard together and, and become a team. And I don't think, you know, with all the things that we put on coaches the, these days, those are, that's a bad approach. Um, and I would say most of my coaches, that's what we did. We just showed up and we loved basketball and we tried to be together on it. But a lot of what coaches are doing now is, okay, well, we need the five pillars and then I'm going to recruit these players to come to my program and here's what we're about. And the, the error that happens in that regard is that, well, they don't live those things out. And there obviously is this ideal utopia of, could you have a team where you were all about the five things and everybody could name them and everybody was on the same page and we were working towards this end uh, that was beyond ourselves. Cause that's what I loved about basketball was, Hey, we're all going to come together and we're going to reach for something that we couldn't achieve on our own. So we're learning a lot of things through that, that adversity, conflict and performance and, and sacrifice. But I think that's where it can become really shallow is, are we just sacrificing at the end of the day for the championship that we're all trying to win? Because we only, we know that one team really wins the ultimate championship. Okay. Maybe, you know, one at each different level or each different tournament, but it's so few. So what are, what are we doing? Because the chances are we're not going to win it. So that, I think that's the higher purpose, the higher calling that leaders can 
And what I didn't experience as much of is call us to something bigger than ourselves, but that's also bigger than the, the carrot at the end of, at the end of the stick. That's, that's bigger than a W as your last game. Uh, that's where I think coaches can one create purpose and meaning behind, when you have a losing season, they can create purpose and meaning when it doesn't go your way and, and you're not going to have the pieces to achieve what you thought that season you know, how many times do you go through basketball and, and somebody, your best player gets hurt and everybody just, their energy just starts feeling bad for themselves because they, they know, well, shoot, we barely had a chance to begin with. Now, what, what, now what's the point? Well, the point was always more than that. And so I actually get really excited about that because I just get excited about investing into people. Uh, and that's what, you know, sports is, is designed to do is just to go beyond and, um, I think when you cast that vig- vision and you create that culture and an, an environment, you there's no shortage of of motivation. Yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, my my question is honestly like how do how do you implement that and and do that in your daily routine? Is that like at the beginning of practice you're talking about you know post basketball? You're doing that at the end of the practice. How do you kind of like infuse that into you know how you coach? So the first way you do it is you have to live it. You know, you have to believe yeah. it. It has to be in in you as deep as you can and get it. And I think that's an ongoing process. Uh, it's an ongoing commitment. It's a constant reflection of where you're at, who you want to be. And, uh, and then I think the second part is naming that and saying, being able to share with people, this is who I am, this is who I want to be. Because I think those things are what you infuse into your team. You know, as a leader, when you say, hey, this is what the team's going to be about. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. Those things bleed out from the leader, from from the coach. And so they have to be part of you. You know, it's really hard if if you were, as a coach, part of a program or a school that wasn't about the same things that you were about. You know, so you kind of... if ideal world is that all those things line up together. Uh, and so, you know, actions matter more than words, but I, being able to articulate it is important to, because now you're giving a language and communication amongst the group that you can point them to, you can remind them. And as long, you know, if you're living that out, uh, can really have the impact like you're talking about, but, I would start, so to me, when, when you ask the question, it, I think it starts when you, let's just say, walk in the gym. And then it starts with your first interaction with a player. And then it starts with how you welcome the group. Uh, I've seen practices where coaches don't even welcome anybody. You just get down right to basketball, just right, you know, and you think, well, again, are you, what's this for? What's this about? And especially if you're coaching young you know, middle schoolers, high schoolers, college players, they need to be reminded. They need to be, uh, you know, led in this area. It's not going to be automatic because everything around them says, well, basketball is either just about me in my experience. Basketball, I do it because it's fun or I like it or I'm good at it. And so you have to bring all those individual people, individual humans with their own desires and their own, you know, expectations aligned into the to the group uh and so if you are creating a team if you're doing a team thing not just like individual trainings or workouts then 
how do you do that? I think you start with uh, practically. Again, like I said, how you connect one-on-one, how you welcome people. Um, how, and I think that gets into the belonging, which we might talk about, but in the environment. But then you welcome the group. You remind them what you're doing, why you're doing it. Um, and then you find just different ways to uh, practice those things or test those things or give your players some adversity to go through. And, and it's, it's, you're really always playing the long game. You're never going to change a player overnight. Uh, it's it's going to be through trust, through relationship, through um, constant mentorship. And like you said, or we've talked about previous to this call, just meeting them where they're at. Yeah, no, 100%. I, and I want to go there right there. But before I kind of want to summarize in terms of like, you're just really talking about, you got to live it, you got to breathe it, you got to role model it, it's got to come from you first, you know. And I think that's one thing that I've tried to do is I try and give nucks to every single player as they as they come in the door. And you know, I, I listen to some of your podcasts, also the Coach Forward podcast, and I, I'm learning that I, I should start asking about something that outside of basketball. You know, ask, sometimes I'm like, you eat dinner before or after practice, like something like so silly and small, but just to like recognize the humanity and the human in them outside. And then I'm, um, you know, as I hear, I'm hearing you talk, I'm like, I, I need to, you know, start tying this into, you know, more like life lessons, right? Like mm-hmm. being concrete. So there's, you know, and that's just be being a coach. And I know that you and P, all of the PGC family is like always trying to get better as a coach. And that's why we're, why we're here. So I digress and going towards uh, belonging and creating a culture of belonging. Cause I think that's really important. And, and especially in this day and age, like we're, it's not the Bobby Knight era anymore where you can say and do whatever you want. You know, you got to create a culture where, where people really want to be there. And I remember you talking before on this call about making it the best two hours that mm. the, of their day and making them look forward to it. So could you elaborate a little more on that? Yeah. So I, when I was thinking about belonging, I, I think first and foremost, just thinking about that human piece. And um, that was that was a big thing for me, too, because you, you can't just check the box to check the box. Like, again, it has to be genuine. Like, you know, any player can can eventually fish out the phony in the room. And and so seeing them as that and and meeting them where they're at, but of course, giving them a value of a role and value of, you know, what, what opportunity they have on the team and how that's going to impact the, the team and help the team achieve their goals. And again, there's, I think there's two goals for the team. There's the, the, you know, we are playing basketball and we are trying to win. So you're going to help us get there here. And then there's this other goal that we have of, you know, being, a, you know, developing servant leaders, whatever that might be for you, or developing accountability in our program and responsibility and, and, you know, integrity. So how are you going to help us achieve that goal? And everybody has, has a role in that and, and has an opportunity to grow in that. And so I think it's casting a vision into the greater, goals of the team and it's getting excited about it for them, you know, being enthusiastic about their role. And that's where sometimes coaches miss on, well, 
these six people on the team are really going to have the most influence and I'm going to spend the most of my time pouring into them. And, you know, those four, we just hope they come along. Well, those four people know it. They know that you don't care, even though you sat down with them and told Johnny and Sally that, you know, that they mattered and you gave, you said all the right things, but they can tell you're not as excited. They can tell that it doesn't matter as much to you. And if it doesn't matter as much to you, it's not going to matter to the team. And you know, that's where the leader has to step in and, and live it out and share that and believe it themselves and just remind themselves to like, Hey, you got to go check in on the Johnnies and the Sally's. Cause again, we're not perfect as leaders. We're going to mess up sometimes we're going to forget. And so who is that around you as a leader that's supporting you and reminding you, I, I, my husband's a rugby coach and I'm always helping him coaching vicariously through him sometimes. But that's like, to me, I feel like, but that's why I'm his wife. Like I'm, I'm here in a supporting role to say, how can, how can I help you? And one of those things is, is to give you good reminders um, or to, you know, it's the checks and balances. Like who's, who's giving you the feedback to say, Oh, you might've got that one wrong. And that could be a fellow coach. That could be a mentor. That could be a spouse. It could be a best friend. Um, but we need those people. Yeah, the accountability is real for sure. And I think that's one thing that I have honestly been challenged with as a coach. Like I definitely, uh, especially like I, I'm even thinking like outside of, you know, basketball and coaching, like just working with kids in general. I think I struggled and I still like it's some, something that I have a little bit of a challenge with. I'm a little better about it now. And it's like walking the art of like I used to kind of get rant you know, kind of pushed over, like pretty much from kids, because I was so nice. Right now, I, I kind of understand the importance of accountability. But now I, I think it's like, how do I do it in a way that's constructive and doesn't just exercise? I'm the coach, I'm, I'm in power, I'm in control, right? Like, I want to make sure that I'm trying to be intentional with, you know, correcting the behavior and not the person and and what you're talking about like being a human as a leader right when i'm not a robot perfect leader and so sometimes like it does come off like maybe a little ego driven or you know power hungry and as a coach and how how do you honestly i mean you touch a little bit more but i love to hear you expand a little bit more on how you keep yourself accountable as a coach to make sure you're living it out that's a good question well i'm i'm really uh blessed to have some you know great people in my life, you know, besides my, I, my husband and, um, beyond I think being a person of faith and having, you know, my Christian values kind of be a light and a guiding and, and I definitely spend a lot of time reflecting on, on, am I living out the things that I say I am? Uh, that's really important. So I, I feel like I do a good job of asking that question, you know, having the time in the morning to stop and, and pause and reflect, but also, you know, I have TJ and Sam who do the Hardwood Hustle podcast with me and I work on work with a regular basis and some other people within PGC coaching that I would say in general, people are going to have, you can have, like I have coworkers and I have friends, but I'm very lucky to have this basketball community around me so I can say, hey, I did this drill and this is what went wrong or hey, I'm having this experience with my head coach what would you do in this situation? And so there is one thing to be said for a, bas a community of basketball coaches or a community of coaches that can really relate to, oh man, yeah, I'm with my eighth grade team, this happened. And, you know, I've had a best player who was our worst leader. So 
where you can find community specifically in your sport or in coaching, like you said, even with the podcasts that you're doing, the podcasts that, that we're doing, uh, those can really help a coach guide them and, and, and provide some checks and balances. But that's where, you know, one thing I heard in a podcast a few years ago, that's always stuck with me is when you get some feedback, uh, we don't always like it, but sometimes, especially in PGC, we get a lot of feedback, a lot of coaching or, uh, and it's not always what you asked for. You kind of, or you asked for it, but you really wanted them to just tell you how good you did. Cause you just wanted some encouragement. But, uh, when you get the negative feedback, uh, to try it on, to say, how is this true? How is somebody on the other side of me seeing me? That has been really helpful. I think that comes with a little bit of humility and to ask, even if I feel like they're wrong or I want to be defensive or what's my first resistance to that, to be like, okay, how is this true? Or how is this right? Or how would I, how could that have been the interpretation or, uh, or the message that they received from me? Uh, that's, I think we, we all just need a little more of that. And sometimes it's wrong. You try it on and you go, that's not what I meant. That's not what happened. Those weren't the facts. Uh, or man, I just need to circle back and, and maybe apologize and retell the story. Cause that's not me. And maybe it had a little bit more to do with them, but you got to try it on first. So there's, there's things about, yeah, I think having the community, of coaches who are engaged in a very similar thing to what you're doing, having obviously the right people in your personal life, but seeking that feedback, asking the questions, and then not being afraid to, to say, how is this true? And being willing to, to make a change. Yeah, I think in the, in the moment too, is the hardest thing, right? It's like when you get that feedback and then I, like I, I have my partner, my girlfriend always gives me, she, she's the one that's always challenging me. And in the, in the moment, it's like, I'm, I'm mad. I, you know, I have my armor on, you know, I'm like, you're wrong, blah, blah, yes. blah. <laughs> and then a week later, I'm like, fine, you were right. And like, honestly, a lot of times in the moment, I know they're right, you know, but I'm like, I'm just like, I don't want to try it on as, yeah. as you're kind of talking about. So yeah. it's so hard, but I do think it's so important to have that basketball community or, or the, uh, you know, some other uh, people that are listening to this, they also just work with youth and may, may not coach, but yep. just having that community of people that understand what you're going through and, and be able to talk through um, and share those experiences to make yourself to, cause sometimes we could just make ourselves feel like, Oh, I'm the only coach with this one player who's great. And he's bringing down the vibes of the team, you know? And so I, I'd love to kind of like shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit about PGC and I can share a little bit before you go and how yeah. it's actually, you know, as I'm kind of going through and thinking about this conversation, like it is played a really significant, um, mm-hmm. has a significant impact on my life because I, I, I got cut my JV or junior year. I played JV. I got cut from varsity. Um, I went to PGC camp the next summer and, you know, I worked, I trained, I, you know, learned a lot of really good habits and I ended up making the varsity team. I was stoked. I led the team in high fives and, and maybe probably leading, leading the team on the bench, but I, I still, you know, I, it helped get me a lot better, help me understand with basketball IQ. And I don't, I don't think I would be as good of a basketball coach now without PGC. So, for those that are listening and are like, what in the world is PGC? I'd love for you to share, share more. Well, I, that's a lot of pressure because PGC means a lot of things to a lot of people. And I feel like I'm just, you know, 
in the beginning stages of getting to know it myself. I've been working with them for three years now. And PGC Basketball, it comes from Point Guard College, which was founded by Dick DiVinzio. And he created kind of an elite level Point Guard College camp. And it was the beginning, you know, it was for Point Guards. It was for the leaders on your team, the, you know, the player who had the influence, right? The player who had the ball in their hands the most. So he had been a point guard at Duke and was kind of sharing his his way to impact the game, impact players. And uh, he brought on Dina Evans, who was a guard at Virginia, and then got handed off to Mono, so who's the current president of the company. And they just do a great job of creating these incredible experiences for young players to go to a five-day, four-night camp. And there's there's more options than that now. They've, they've evolved. Uh, and it's more than for just, you know, point guards. It's for any player who wants to get better and grow in their leadership. And we all know that everybody has the ability to be a leader. So, yeah, they, they put on the camps and the sessions. And throughout the years, they've influenced and and had a lot of coaches who've watched uh, watched the camp or been involved in the camp or coached in the camp. And, and with that, we created PGC Coaching to have a platform to mentor coaches who had the questions, who were like-minded like us and were going you know, beyond basketball and, and really developing leaders in the game as players and as coaches. And we have the Hardwood Hustle, which was kind of passed on through a few different hands of Alan Stein and Adam Bradley and now to TJ and Sam and myself. And, uh, again, we're like the Harwood hustle, uh, our mantra is to educate, empower, and encourage. And I think that's very much what PGC basketball does for players. We talk about thinking the game, but it's same thing is educating players, empowering players, encouraging players. And it's just been an awesome organization to be a part of. And that was one thing as a college coach that just really gave me new energy and new life into what I was doing. And I found kind of like-minded people and it was the right time for me to step away from that and join PGC, which I work remotely now. And uh, yeah, it's just been a great experience. And so um, it's exciting to see the impact you can have on the game and on players. And I never attended as a player is one thing I remember. I remember there back in the day you had to kind of apply to get in. So I don't right. know what that was. And, and it was far away from home for me. So I never did it, but uh, it, you players walk away from that experience changed. And so it's, it's awesome just to hear every year, every staff wide call, we share a story about um, a player, the impact that the campus had on a player. That's beautiful. So with that, I think, honestly, one of the things that I'm thinking about is like, there's a lot of like in basketball intelligence that goes to, through, um, especially at, at PGC. Um, at, one of the toughest things that I had, and I know a lot of other young coaches experience is is being able to go from playing the game to coaching the game, but also like teaching the game. So I'm curious if you would li love to like expand on your journey in learning how to teach the game you know, to youth, to new players, to more advanced players. How do you, you know, you got an advanced, you got a lesser advanced, you know, all that good jazz that comes with coaching, but really teaching the game. Yeah. So that's a loaded question for sure. <laughs> I think um, 
everybody's still trying to get up to speed in this area as quickly as possible because teaching the game is, you know, the next competitive advantage. I think that uh, it's untapped in some ways. We've, we've started to learn about leadership. We started to learn about culture and analytics. And now we have, okay, well, can we teach it? And we yet, part of that is because so many coaches are looking back at how they coach and they realize they're not actually teaching anything uh, or the reason why their players aren't doing what they said and they said it 12 times is because they need to become better teachers. You know, I think it's a John Wooden who said um, they, we haven't taught until they've learned. And so yeah. I think we have to take a couple of steps back now in our coaching and evaluate that. And I, that part gets me excited. I think one, because I, there's something about teaching that I just love seeing, seeing the light bulbs turn on for a player, seeing them grow in their understanding of the game and Part of that is because you don't you don't have to be the best athlete in the gym to be a smart uh, player and to make plays on the basketball court. So it's really fun to to see them grow in that area. So what I I think first when I think about teaching when I've evaluated and gone through again I had all these coaches in high school and college and I was always thought I would coach someday and I just like the idea of bringing a group together and, and achieving this thing like I've talked about, but now it's, well, are we, what are we, are we practicing on the court? What actually happens in a game or are the things that happen the most, the things that we practice uh, are the drills that we're putting them into or the situations that they're putting, are they game? Like, are they game realistic? Is it at game speed? Is it, uh, we, are we, we're practicing with no defenders, but then when we put defenders on that, we're really frustrated. Well, think we need to do a little bit more of that how do we you know progress them from learning the skill or and the the development in that regard and then being able to make a read make a um uh a, again a game-like read I, the, my husband and i were just talking yesterday about his some of his rugby drills that they do in their practices and he works with a professional team here in austin and saying okay if you set up the drill this way and I've had this in basketball all the time too, is we say, okay, we're going to make a read. Whereas um, let's just say you had somebody driving from the wing and as they drove to the basket, the help defender comes and they have to pass it off to the open player, you know, like two on one right. maybe situation. Well, yeah. it's not a read if the help is always coming. So the player, you know, maybe that's a good way to get the, the initial action done and the player to understand, okay, this is what it's going to be like if that's the solution to that particular problem. But when you give them the same problem, and so the help always comes, so I always make the pass, the, the, you've taken the read out of it. And then you go into the game and you say, well, something happened and then you just made the pass without even looking. Well, because they just did this um, kind of regurgitated motion uh, they kind of became a robot out there. And same thing with like help side, you know, like oh, if the drive comes, you're going to help. Well, every time the drive comes. So every time I help, when do I not help? Uh, that's the, just creating some game like scenarios uh, or just even, I'll give you one more before you can ask me another question. But the other one that drives me a little nuts is just maximizing reps in your practice. So when you have 10 players, and you put them in a line and each player goes one at a time and you just watch the other nine players watch or throw their ball mm. in the air or dribble around. I don't, I don't even blame them. 
you know, I remember as a player being yelled at for not paying attention or something, but you've made the practice very boring, uh, rudimentary. Like we, we got to do two ends, do two sides and two ends, you know, maximize, especially for the youth. They just need to be doing and playing and, and getting as many reps in as possible at the skills that you're talking about. And it's okay if they're not being coached on every rep, you know, like just continue to circle back. Continue. They don't need, we don't need to overload them with the feedback on every time they need three things to work on. No, just work on one thing at a time. Tell them when they got it right. You know, go again. I think it's playing the long game um, instead of trying to fix everything in one practice. I mean, you're bringing up a lot of good points and I, I work, so I work with a lot of different coaches. So we work like, it's kind of like a basketball academy. So I guess similar to PGC, but it's like for more beginners, just focusing on fundamentals less so than like the high IQ um, players and teaching that. But, you know, I, I, one thing that I've been trying to do more is that game. Like, and I think I, I went to a USA basketball clinic and like, I just like learned so much. I'm just like, why am I doing all this cone stuff? They don't, don't go against cones. You know what I mean? Like, especially for the more advanced ones, I'm like always creating game, like scenarios, always making it competitive and teaching every five to 10 reps, because, you know, I think they're, they're getting an overload of information. They got this coach yelling, this, this coach yelling, this, and, you know, so just, just trying to be mindful of that. And, and it, I'm curious, like for you, like, how, how do you stop yourself? Cause I know sometimes I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to get better at like asking them what they got better at at the end, instead mm -hmm. of just lecturing at them at the end of practice. I, I, I heard about teaching. They actually have, someone was talking about that. They have uh, attention spans like seven seconds. And I'm like, <laughs> I, you got to teach in like movie clips. You got to teach in TikToks. whatever you got to do bullet points. Like that's how you have to teach now. And to be honest, it's probably like for me, like I can't think about one time, like, I heard, I truly listened to someone that, you know, when I was a player. So how, how do you like keep yourself accountable for like, you know, kind of teaching in bullet points and letting them kind of learn, learn on their own too? I think a, a big one for that is preparation. So mm. if you've anticipated the practice, planned it out, you know, put down your points of emphasis and then thought about, okay, how are they going to screw this up? How are they going to get it wrong? What's uh, Billy gonna do and Olivia gonna mess up and like, you, cause you know, coach, like we all know. And yeah. so then you, you build out your second sec, your seven second soundbite before you get there, your feedback, right. And, and you maybe even before the drill, you, you tell them what it's going to be. So then you're just giving them reminders and you, you, you've narrowed down your feedback to one word, you know, mm. uh, if they don't go off two feet, and you've taught them what that means or what that looks like, eventually you'll be able to abbreviate and you'll be able to say two feet. And the player, you don't, you know, that's all you need because you've just told them, told them already uh, before you've gotten to that point. But then, like you said, uh, there are times when you need to give the full sentence. And in order to be as concise, I think you have to think about it ahead of time. Now, great coaches have figured this out. And it wasn't through preparation. It was just through experience and then evaluating their experience and saying, how can I do better? And you naturally, as a, as a coach, if you're just getting into it, you're going to get better. The stuff's going to get easier. It's going to come to your mind quicker, but I do think we can accelerate our coaching development by preparation. So that that's one thing. And uh, I also think just keeping in mind, I think what I already said is 
to not try to fix everything in one practice to mm. line out, okay, yeah. what are we going to get better at today? And what is this player need to one get better thing. at? What's the one message that I yeah. need this player to do and not give them the five things? Cause you, you really are overloading them. But I also just to defend a little bit, I don't even know if this is just anecdotal evidence, but uh, there's something to be said for how you make somebody feel. They might not remember the three things that you said, or they might not remember, you know, your long-winded um, story to them, every d little detail. Right. Now, stories are more memorable, so maybe you work in stories more. But they're going to remember that you cared, or they're going to remember that you had some knowledge, and they're going to come back for more. And even if you have to repeat it, that there's... There is some good to that because we're yeah for sure. You can't not just have the conversation. Have the conversation, yeah, of even if it's not a longer than a seven seconds. That's that's good because there's a a connection or a transaction that's intangible also that's going on. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and and players don't know how don't care how much you know unless they know how much you care. So for sure, going into that, I think I was just trying to bring the, bring across the point of you know trying when we're trying to. Teach, teach and give feedback to, to go in, in bullet points versus lecture. But definitely, I mean, sometimes like there are those practices where you, you have to, you know, quote unquote, kick them in the butt and it's an accountability practice and they're all over the place. So like, it's just so much of an art. And as we're wrapping up the final question before the final section I have for you is, is how do you keep developing as a coach and, and as a leader? Hmm. Well, it's always a journey. And yep. you you see it as such, and you give yourself a little grace along the way. Um, uh, you invest in you know the relationships in the coaching community, so they they in turn invest back into you, and and so you find. I think as in our coaching and our sports world, we get this really competitiveness and we kind of find reasons not to like each other. And we're all on the same team. Like let's make friends. That's right. You need companionship because this coaching journey, you know, whether you're any profession, but especially in teaching, especially in coaching where we're, it's hard. It's difficult and it's going to keep you up at night and, and you're going to check all these boxes and you're still going to fail. And, uh, I think that you have to get that encouragement, um, surround yourself with the right people that are going to do that, but also just reach out and get outside yourself. You know, if I, if I shared one thing that, um, you know, I guess it could be a regret as a player, I was thinking about this, uh, through some of the questions, pre questions you've given me and, uh, as a player, even my dad had kind of put into me that, okay, this, this is more than just basketball, you know? So when things aren't going your way and you're, you know, not playing as much or your coach is yelling at you or, or something's going wrong, I'm going to hold up a C. I'm going to hold up a C in, in the stands. You're going to look up and see it. And that stands for character and just recognize what you're building in your character. So I thought that, that was a huge thing for me and always helped me. That's that this powerful. Is, yes. This is, this is more than basketball. Okay. And like I, I could kind of hold on to that when, when it seemed like everything else was lost. Right. Right. But I've also reflected recently that it still, unfortunately was all about me and it was okay. When things aren't going my way, I'm going to focus on building my character 
and mm. I was really competitive. And like the worst relationships I had on the team were always with the player that played the same position as me. Like I didn't okay. know how to reach out to that teammate and and really uh, be selfless in that yeah. that relationship. Uh, and it's good. Like competitive is good. I had a, one coach brought me and this the other player into the office and read our stats to us and said Lisa averages this and you know. <laughs> She averages that and the, all the way down the line. And it was like, I was wow. the starter. So I didn't know, what are you saying, coach? Like, yeah. so anyways, coaches want that competitiveness. Like we already had the competitiveness. Um, and it, I think as I've left, after I left as a player, I looked back, especially when I got into coaching, I just thought about the opportunity that I missed to mm-hmm. be a good teammate for the sake of being a good teammate. You know, for nothing else, not because being a good teammate was going to help us win more games. Being a good teammate was just another human to another human, building long lasting relationships. And some players are, are, many people are better than me and have done this. But that was just, I think, where you have to learn how to to zoom out. And even in coaching, can we zoom out and uh, serve the other coach? in our league, um, reach out and be a friend, a mentor to the young coach who just came in. Uh, make sure that you're sharing resources, sharing encouragement, because good coaches are leaving the game more than ever because they're tired and they're burnt out and it's hard and it's not worth it and they don't know where to go. And so if, if we actually came together um, and you know created some alliance, and again, there's, there's ways to do this virtually. You know, we have PGC coaching, we have the podcast and all that stuff, but what we can do, especially with, you know, the COVID, um, you know, that period of time was really hard when we couldn't be together in person as much, but now we can, you know, pick up the phone, go meet for a coffee, go do a clinic together and have that one-on-one, you know, or small group relationship uh, where it's it's really genuine and, and you're creating a little community within your you know, local area. I think that's huge. Yeah. I couldn't have said it better than my better myself. I think, I mean, you're really summing up. It's bigger than the game, right? Like I even hear you talking and I'm thinking about like, for me as a player, I think I was all all right. I was pretty good to my teammates, but what I wasn't good to was the refs. And that's what, that's my big growth as a, as a coach. And even as a young coach, I wasn't the best either. You know, I was still learning how to transition there, but now that I've had an opportunity to ref more, I'm like, dang, this is hard. You know, like, I'm like, I I need to start having the kids do this so they can understand how challenging it is. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's really with that refs are leaving too. Right. So we got to be sure we're again. Yes. Coaches are on the same team. Players on the same team. Refs are on the same team. Why is it this battle? You know, why is it this creating this tension that really doesn't need to be there? Like everybody hopefully is, is doing the best job that they can. And for those who aren't, we pray for them, you know, like we right. just have to, to yeah. kind of, again, meet people where they're at and assume the best instead of the worst. No, I, I love that. Yeah. And honestly, I'm kind of just having like a big light bulb moment that really it is just so much bigger than basketball, right? Like I think, you know, being friends with coaches in the league and like, you know, having it, you know, be a, a friendly battle. And, and you see it with a lot of these college coaches, you know, on D1 and, you know, on, on TV, it's, you know, Tom Izzo, Coach K, you know, in the final battles, right? And, and they're friends. And I think that's, that's awesome. That's, that's super awesome. So um, with when, that, yeah, when go. players and coaches can model this, you know, it's kind of like 
it starts with us, then at some point I hope the parents can start to model this, mm. you know? Yeah, that's, and that's a big one. That's a huge one. But net, right now I don't think anybody's willing to take that responsibility and, and that's, it's really important right now is that some, some of us have to just step up and, and, and start, you know, sacrificing for that towards that end goal, you know, the greater good and, and lead in that way that hopefully others will follow. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm curious though. I'm not a parent, so I can't really like speak on this, but I definitely like, I've worked with some pretty wild parents of coming on and I'm, I'm talking about like four and five-year-olds of coming on the court and, and yelling at a five-year-old for like kicking her son. And like, he's five years old, you know, and like had to like pretty much split up, you know, the father and, and mother and like, I was like, what in the world? Like y'all are four and five. You, they have 15 years more left of basketball at least. Like don't make them like quit basketball at four or five because, mm. you know, you're, you're so invested mm -hmm. in, a, in not a, not necessarily a, a good way. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm curious if you have any advice towards like for coaches and working with parents. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Just do your best now. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I think um, that's where, and you're probably going to get at it with your question here at the end, but like, I think we have to get our, our heart in the right place and our mm. mind in the right place and uh, find the resolve to take the higher road, you know, at all costs and, um, you know, set up, set the appropriate boundary in place or in even just to to set the line of your integrity in place. Like, Hey, like this, this is, and you kind of, again, to me, it's a daily thing, like a daily heart set, <laughs> set it up. Right. Yeah. Um, because you are going to be tempted to be impatient, to get frustrated, to get angry. And if your personality lends itself to a shouting match or, um, a, a really nasty text or email or, or anything in your communication where you, you might regret it. Like you have to be able to have some self-control. You have to have somebody, you know, helping you. Okay. It's just one parent. Um, it's just one situation. Uh, it's going to be okay. And that, that parent, you know, having some compassion for that parent, where they're at, what their situation is, they're bringing in to the, to the basketball parent experience, a lot of their own angst expectations, um, life problems, issues, family, work, and you can really be a light for them um, to, again, meet them where they're at as a, as a parent, help them to say, this is where we're about. And I do think at some point to draw boundary lines, because like, I think some coaches kind of sell their soul to the parent and say, oh yeah, mm -hmm. we promise if you come and play for us, this, this, and this, and then you're really in trouble uh, because again, you've kind of sacrificed the, the greater good for what a one better player or 20 points a game. Like if, if we're about more than that, like we've talked about today, then uh, that's it's a very slippery slope. So I don't have great, great advice. It's um, I've been lucky enough to be an assistant coach. <laughs> so uh, I think building that relationship with parents and keeping the main thing, the main thing, uh, at least is a good place to start. That's a place to start. So lastly, final uh, words of advice for young coaches, resources, um, and where they can find and connect with you and or PGC. Yeah. So 
pgcbasketball.com. I'll start there because they're the cream of the crop uh, in terms of what they're doing in the basketball space. And I don't work on the camp side, so I can – I'm not – I'm saying that because I just know yeah. watching what they do and how they do it is, is awesome. The directors are awesome. So pgcbasketball.com, and you can follow us – follow you know the, our Twitter account at pgcbasketball. And then mine is at Lisa underscore O'Mara underscore, which I'm sure if you're listening to this, you'll see my name there. And what else did you say? Resources for coaches. There's so many good final basketball. Of, yeah, yeah. And final words of advice. There's so many good basketball resources. Um, obviously recommend the Hardwood Hustle. Uh, we talk a lot of yep, things about of basketball, even X's and O's. So we kind of try to cover it all. Uh, yeah. I would, I would say great resource. One I'd probably put my biggest stamp of approval on is Doug Lamov's books. So he's got a few that he's co-written and, uh, his latest one that is the coach's guide to teaching. The one before that was practice perfect. And he also does teach like a champion, which was for teachers. He kind of comes from the teacher space. That is a great place to really look at how you're teaching and coaching the game. So that's got to be number one on the list if you haven't done it. And then part of that is then dissecting it, trying to apply it, and then working with other coaches to say, hey, this is what we're trying to get. Because it's not, again, it doesn't happen overnight. So take what you're learning, try to apply it, get some feedback, reflect on it, ask another coach what they think, what do they do. That, I think, is sort a of really big piece to the teaching. Uh, and then my advice and encouragement is just kind of to, to keep fighting the good fight. I think we're doing a great work in our – communities and our teams, programs, schools, country, and we need coaches who believe in this endeavor. And uh, again, that goes beyond X's and O's and building up our young people, investing in them and, and giving them an opportunity to be a part of something really special. And um, that's just goes with us. Like we talked about leadership, just trying to get better every day and having the humility to, to do that and to not say we've arrived and to not say we're greater than asking for more feedback or, Oh, I already got that covered to, to really, I think that will one build your relationships in coaching and in the game, but also it'll help you get better every day. And there's always something to improve on. And so uh, it's a journey. It's a journey. There's no better way of summing it up. Thank you so much for your time today, Lisa. I, I really enjoyed the conversation and I know I got a lot out of it and I'm sure the listeners did as well. I have multiple things that I'm, I'm rethinking in, in perspective. So I really appreciate your time today. Well, awesome. It's a joy to be here and to share with your group of coaches and community. And just thank you so much for inviting me on. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bridging Impact Podcast. We'd love it if you would like subscribe, leave a comment and a review on whatever platform you're on. It's the best way to help us grow. We appreciate you for doing that. We'll shout you out on social media. I'd also love if you connected with me on social media. Let me know your thoughts. And this is why I do it. I want to share knowledge and wisdom from experienced leaders to people like yourself and myself so we can have this dialogue and move forward, make an impact on the world. So stay tuned, stay subscribed. Cheers.